After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And, in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And, of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. The world of showbiz journalism is a million miles away from the glitz and pizzazz of the entertainment industry. Lonely nights spent waiting by a stage door armed with a notebook and voice recorder in the hope that a star of the show will honour your request and answer your questions is a gamble not many are willing to take. But for more than 40 years, John Hannam has defied the odds and is a success story of local showbiz journalism, first as a reporter for the Isle of Wight Evening Post before landing the now infamous John Hannam Meets on Isle of Wight Radio in 1990. In 2015, embracing the impact of online content, John Hannan Meets made a successful move from radio to an online podcast and the stars continue to align for the local man who's brought a slice of entertainment to such a small island. I was interested to learn more about the man himself and coming into his fourth decade in journalism, why does he remain so in love with show business? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr John Hannan. Okay, so John, you've been a showbiz journalist for over 40 years. Firstly, tell us about the major changes in entertainment that you've charted in that time. Well, the entertainment industry has changed so much, particularly from an interviewing point of view. In the early days, you could get to people, you could go and approach them, and they were always cooperative to give interviews. But now, in more recent years, there's minders and so many people close to them that it's harder to get interviews from my point of view. But going back to the entertainment industry... Yesterday, I was at the Theatre Royal Portsmouth and I was uh, covering a pantomime or a musical, Santa Claus a musical, and it took me back to the 1950s, which is the first place I ever saw a show. And it was in the dying days of variety, and I love variety, and I love the numbers changing on the side of the stage, and you might get up to 14 different acts if you were lucky. Uh, so that was a great start for me. And then I love summer season. So I used to go to summer season shows at South Sea. And later when I got married, my wife and I would go to summer seasons uh, anywhere. Uh, if there was a good show, we would go and see it. Sadly, other than three or four now, those have all disappeared. And I like to think my era, I met what I would describe as real stars. Now, People are famous for five minutes for winning Big Brother or whatever. So I feel very lucky to have been born when I was born. And pop music's changed so much over the years. But I was there when Elvis came on the scene, then the Beatles and ABBA. So I count myself very lucky. And all the, what I would call the light entertainment stars I've seen and interviewed Frankie Howard and Benny Hill and Larry Grayson, all those greats. So I don't enjoy it anymore, to be honest, not as much as I did years ago. Let's go back to the very beginning. Born in East Cowes on the Isle of Wight, you worked in a biscuit factory. I actually, when I left school, I went to work for Gould, Hibbard and Randall's which were a mineral water manufacturers on the Isle of Wight, where 
Marks and Spencers is now. When you're in Newport, if you go along Church Lytton and you'll see a donkey in the well on the wall, that was where the lemonade factory was. So I went there and worked in the office and then I moved out onto the road, selling lemonade on the road. Um, So that's how I started. Then eventually I joined United Biscuits in 1969, which was McVitie's, Crawford's, McFarlane Lang. And then we sold KP Nuts and Terry's Chocolates. So I was on, I worked for them from 1969 to about 1998. Then I decided I'd had enough and I wanted to do full-time what I've done ever since, which is work as a journalist in the entertainment industry. And and I don't regret it for one minute. Were there any correlations between biscuits and showbiz? (laughs) Well, in the early days, I used to get lots of free samples, right? So when I went to interview, I always remember going to see Dana, one of my first interviews, and I took a few packets of biscuits for her. And she signed the, the record... Thanks for buying the record and love the biscuits. So um, that was an early sort of... uh, But what I did, I tried to keep the day job and the weekend and evening job separate. And it it worked out very well because shows were in the evening, so I could go and see shows. And most of the people came over to perform in the shows later in the day. So it was, um, I could balance the two for many years. But I did yearn to do what I do now, is to be full-time, basically. So growing up on the island, I imagine, was quite frustrating for someone who had ambitions in entertainment. Um, You've mentioned already about the Theatre Royal in Portsmouth and how some of your great epiphanies came from your parents taking you there as a child. What was so special about the shows that took place there? I just, my father loved showbiz in a way, and he liked the big dance bands, and he liked comedians, and and the radio shows on the the light programme then, I guess. So he would take us over, and then I got interested in in the theatre, and particularly in the light entertainment showbizy side. And I used to queue at the stage door with my autograph book and get autographs, which I've still got. And that was an early way into the business. I saw a singer called Tony Brent in the early days who had quite a few chart hits. I saw Michael Benteen. I saw Frankie Vaughan in about his third week in showbiz. So I loved all those days. Barry Took I saw and... um, Lots and lots of stars. And at that time, I also used to send to stars for autographs. People like John Pertwee and Billy Daniels and all these sort of people. And I've still got the photographs. Eartha Kitt, I I wrote to Eartha Kitt and got a lovely photograph. And uh, 20 or 30 years down the line, I went to interview her in London, which was a great experience. Did you ever think at at that time that all those years later that the theatre would have such a dominant influence in your career? Not really. In the early days, I was someone that just watched theatre shows and queued at the stage door. I wasn't a very confident person in my young days, so I never anticipated that my career would change and that I'd be doing interviews and radio shows and television shows. I never, ever thought that I would do that, although... Years ago, I used to lie in bed listening to Pete Murray 
And he had a, a late night chat show on the radio and people would come in from London theatres or recording sessions and talk to Pete. And I used to love that show. And I, I used to think, well, if, I, if only I could do that. But I didn't have a lot of confidence in those days. But life has changed for me. And uh, now I've interviewed about 4,000 people. So your journalistic career took off when... You contributed to articles in the Isle of Wight Evening Post and then as well the Portsmouth Echo. I started off doing bits for the Isle of Wight County Press. My father, my late father, worked there for 50 years. And right back in the 50s, we had a young guy from Newport called Craig Douglas, known locally as Terry Perkins. And he became a pop star, number one record and lots and lots of hits. And I used to do bits for the county press on Craig Douglas. And that's how I got into writing sort of on show busy things. And I just contributed to them for a few years. And then eventually the Isle of Wight Weekly Post came on song in about 1975 and we had a meeting and I said, oh, I'd love to do a showbiz column. And they said, well, you can have a page. We call it Stage Talk, John Hannum Stage Talk. And you can do whatever you want. And I did that for 15 years until sadly it, it went under. So that was brilliant for me because I got around to meeting famous people and they wanted to be in the newspapers. It was good for them. And I, uh, it was just the glory days of, uh, of theatre and light entertainment and 60s pop stars and all that. So loved it. So how do you think that informed your slightly later career as a broadcaster? I went to hospital radio one day because I was interested in sport. And they said, would you come up and talk about Southampton Football Club? And I said, yes, I would. So I went up and the guys said, we're very pleased with you. Would you like to come back and join the team every week? So I went back and joined the team and used to talk about football and the results in the local matches on a Saturday night. And then they said to me, would you like to have your own programme it was called Late Date. It was a programme where you went around the wards and you got requests from people and then you played them. So I said, oh, I'd love to do that. So I did that. And then I thought, I'd like to do something different. So I took an old cassette recorder along to theatres and hotels and places and just interviewed famous stars for about 10 minutes. The Bachelors, Eve Boswell was one of the early ones, Helen Shapiro. And I just went along and just knocked on the door or went to the hotel and said, could you spare 10 minutes for the hospital radio? So that's how I got into doing interviews. And that continued for many years. And then eventually, um, eventually, Isle of Wight Radio came on song. That was 1990. And they said, would I do something similar to the Weekly Post on the radio? So it all really came from that. So would you say that that stint on the hospital radio allowed you to sort of hone that craft? Very much so. I used to do live shows on there, which was great. But they were very interested and they were very keen that someone from local hospital radio could get to some of the big stars that came to the Isle of Wight. Then I started to write for the stage newspaper, which is like the Bible of showbiz. And that connection helped me again because... Uh, through writing for the stage, I did features for them on some of the stars that came to the island. So it all sort of dovetailed at the same time, really. 
as you say, in 1990, the All Out Radio was created, and you were chosen to front a Sunday afternoon chat show. Uh, saw you interviewing the great and good of entertainment, and you've spoken a little bit about how that sort of come about. But were you daunted by that prospect at the time? No. The thing that made me a little bit scared was when they came on stream, which was 1990. On the Thursday of the first week they came on air, they said to me, oh, by the way, you're doing a bit of a chat show. It starts on Saturday. This was like two days' notice. So I frantically got a couple of local people I knew onto the show. And initially it was the last hour was part of someone else's show. But very quickly they, they called it the John Hannum slot if you like then it became John Hannah meets so I would have a an hour slot from I think it was from nine to ten on a Saturday night and then thankfully it became very popular so the following January they said we're going to put you on Sunday lunchtime and that's when it really took off because it was a perfect time for people to listen because um, in those days not too many people had lunch out on a Sunday a lot of people had lunch indoors and I used to get people say to me we start listening to your show and then we don't go out because we want to hear the end of it which was a nice compliment in a way so apart from the nationwide stars you occasionally find time to interview local heroes how important do you think this is to your own community I've loved meeting what I call ordinary local people I'm an ordinary local person and I love meeting people that have got a great story to tell, farmers and people that have been in industry. And I've met so many people over the years and I absolutely love it. And uh, I've got some terrific interviews of people sadly no longer with us. But uh, initially I used to get them into the studio and when the red light came on, sometimes they were a little bit scared. So what I used to do, I would go to their homes three or four days before they came on air. So they got to know me and roughly talked about what we were going to do on the Sunday. And I found that was a lot better. But latterly, I decided to take my recorders along to people's homes where they relaxed a lot more than they would when the red light came on in the studio. And you've recently self-published the John Hannam Interviews book, where you discuss some of your some of the greatest music stars who you've had the pleasure to interview. Yeah, this idea, I did bring a book out in 1990 called I Was a Stage Door Johnny, which was basically my story and how I got into what I do today. Uh, and then last year, Marty Wilde said to me, come down to Warner's at Bembridge. No interviews, I just want to talk to you. So I go down, we have a cup of coffee, and he said, what do you do with all your old interviews? And I said, well, I've got every one from 1974. And he said, well, you ought to bring a book out, uh, and I want the stories behind the interviews, not just like a bio. I want those that were nice to you, those that weren't, those that told you interesting stories that they may not have told anyone else. So that's how it came about. Marty said, I'm writing the foreword. And he kept sending me emails. Have you started yet? Have you started? So um, once I started sending them off, he, he loved them. And he said, I want more. I want more. I want more. So that's how it came about. And um, it seems to be going quite well at the moment anyway. How do you go about establishing who and who not to include? That is a job. I've got 4,000 interviews and I had to get it down to 86 
for the pop stars. 86 is a nice number. means the, the book is about 100 pages, roughly. And it was difficult. But I tried to go for the people that had the most interesting stories uh, and not just what you might have read or heard somewhere else. I wanted people that had different stories. So that's what I've done in the book. And uh, I'm already into my next book. And that, again, is funny things that happened, how I got to meet Danny LaRue eventually and Larry Grayson and people like that. Benny Hill came by purely accident. So I think people like to know the stories behind the interviews. And also I do mention who was particularly nice and who wasn't, which people tend to like to read about. In the book, you state that telephone conversations have no appeal for you. Is there a reason for that? Well, it is because the great thrill for me is meeting the person, sitting with the person. My radio show, which has been going for 26 years, is called John Hannah Meets. So I always try and make sure that I meet the person I'm talking to because I feel you get that eye contact and you can have a bit of fun. You know if you can tease someone because you can see them. And I go to London on a regular basis doing on a day when they're doing down-the-line interviews. And I walk in and a, and a famous star will say, thank God I can see who I'm talking to. You're the first person all day that I've actually seen. They may have spoken to 14, 15 radio stations, but they're all around the country. So the interviewers never see them. But for me, the thrill is actually being there with them and getting them to sign books or records, CDs or whatever. Um, so that's, I always set out to meet my guests. And uh, ever since, I think someone thought he was interviewing Sean Connery on a radio show. And it turned out he was not Sean Connery. It was a, an impressionist doing Sean Connery. And I thought, that's never going to happen to me. When Sir Michael Parkinson retired in 2007, he famously remarked that his collection of interviews traced a time in entertainment which saw the end of Hollywood's golden era. Reflecting upon all of your interviews, what would you say they teach us about entertainment? My goodness, that's a tough question. I think the more I think about it, is what I touched on earlier, is that there were so many huge stars throughout my career, stars that you looked up to, stars that were absolutely superb. Uh, they would talk to you, and it, it was a different business. Now, I, I find it hard to enjoy very much on television in a way of shows because I used to love the light entertainment shows, but it's, it's all changed, really. So what's next for John Hannum? Well... I've got this second book, which is underway. I still have my podcast, so I'm always looking for new interviews for my podcasts. And the archives are also very popular. And obviously, having 40 years of archives, it's quite interesting that I can uh, put them now online so people can hear them in theory all over the world. So I'm still doing that every week. And I have a third book in mind. So I've got one just out. One I'm writing, and I've got an idea for a third book as well. So, And I'm still doing a few interviews for the County Press and the Stage magazine. So I'm always busy, basically, which is what I like. So where can we find the podcast and for anyone if they want to buy a copy of the book? or The easiest thing is to go to my website, johnhannam.com, 
because it will tell you there who's on the podcast and how to get them. You can get them via my website, the Isle of Wight Radio website, iTunes and Audio Boom. And if people want to buy the book, it's available readily on the Isle of Wight, but they can also go to my website, johnhannam.com. And if they click on the in print page, you'll find there's an option where you can buy them online, either from Nyes at Shanklin or via Amazon. Fantastic. Thanks very much, John. sure? Thanks for your time. Okay. A big thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates of forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.